Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors. It's another week here on Suncast and we're back for Tactical Tuesday, short form conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice to help you build a meaningful career or business in the solar and clean energy sector. I'm so glad that you're here to grow with us on Suncast, and I expect that today's episode is going to add more tools to your toolkit. Today, we're going to jump into a topic that perhaps you have thought about and need more information on, or perhaps you've never really considered how it impacts your business, but more importantly, the broader industry as the solar industry continues to grow and boom. We have to think about the circular economy and the end of life of the product that we are proselytizing. And to discuss that in greater depth, I've brought Jeanette Freeman from Fabtech Solar Solutions to help us better understand what goes into refurbishing and recycling and figuring out the end of life for solar panels. Uh, I'm always glad that you have decided to join us here and thank you for being here again today to level up your game. So remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guests and recommendations by heading over to mysuncast.com. Click on the show notes tab. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter so that you'll get a notification in your inbox every time these episodes come out. I am so happy to have you here with us and I would encourage you to get your pen and paper out. This is gonna be very useful. Get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior. Here we go with another powerful conversation on Suncast. Well, as I mentioned today, we are all going to dive into the topic of end of life for solar panels. What does it mean for you and for your business, for our industry, as we try to figure out how the challenge can become an opportunity? Before we get deep into that, I'd like to welcome today's guest, Jeanette Freeman, Director of Business Development for Fabtech Solar Solutions. Jeanette, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Nico. Thank you so much for having me on and having this conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it wasn't terribly long ago that you and I became acquainted, thanks to our dear friend Paul Webb as well, for helping make that connection. Uh, love Paul. He's doing some great things. And you also have been a guest on some other folks inside of our Clean Energy Revolution community, like Maggie who hosted a webinar to talk right. all about end of life solutions. So if you guys have already seen and heard that, uh, I'm going to try to ask some different questions of Jeanette. If you haven't, uh, then I would encourage you to go search. Uh, she has been prolific at helping get the word out that this is a real problem. So uh, Jeanette, help, help. I'm going to help uh, sort of frame the challenge. And I'd like for you to sort of fill in the gaps for me as we explore, what does it mean to our industry and to solar installers as we try to grapple with the issue that panels have to be disposed of at some point or do they? So with solar panels having roughly a lifespan of 20 to 30 years, many are now guaranteed for 30. A lot of them are finally starting to reach their end of life, which kind of makes me feel a little old because 
<laughs> it wasn't that long ago that I was trying to convince people that they were going to last 20 years. It. Yeah. You sent me some stats that International Renewable Energy Agency projects up to 78 million metric tons of solar panels will reach their end of life by 2050 and that the world will be generating about 6 million metric tons of new solar waste every year. What does this mean for our industry with regards to how this product is being disposed and you know, how's it currently being addressed? First of all, it's always interesting in the beginning of any new revolution, whether it's, you know, industrial revolution or, you know, the fossil revolution, there's always a waste problem, but we're very focused on what's happening now. So in clean energy, this is kind of where I see that we are. There's so, it's so great. It's moving so quickly. And we are aware though that, you know, down the road, 30 years, there is a problem because those are going to come off. Those solar panels are need to be disposed of. So what we're looking at now is such massive growth in the industry, in the solar industry itself, and wind as well, but I'll talk specifically about sun and solar all over the world. It is proliferating all over, and it's important that it is. And it's important that we think in, in a longer, with a longer viewpoint, because right now we can deal with the solar panels that are coming off. But what's going to happen in five years? I mean, even at the rate of growth that our country is propelled just to meet Biden's goals, we will have such an issue with millions, millions of solar panels coming to the end of life. And why is that a problem? The the main reason that's a problem is they are difficult and expensive to recycle. One of the solutions that people have been doing is throwing them in a landfill. Well, a hundred solar panels in the landfill is not the end of the world right now, but let's put a hundred million in there and see what kind of problems we have. And with the chemicals and the in the uh, metals and things like that, and how that leaches into the wastewater, that is a problem. So we have to look at okay, look at the big picture and say, all right, what do we need to do to start thinking ahead so that we are not part of the problem? And because this is a major obstacle that people object to in renewables and in solar is, yeah, but what about this problem you guys aren't thinking about? So we have to think about it. And a lot of people and a lot of great companies are thinking about it and are making plans for this. So it's good and it's important. And and you know how it is, Nico, we always, whatever's on our plate right now seems to get all the attention. And we don't think in terms of, oh yeah, but what do I do 10 years from now? But we need to. <laughs> That's my purpose is to start that conversation a little bit more so people are thinking ahead. You know, Jeanette, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is because I, having 15 years in the industry, have heard a lot of narrative in the discourse of how of how the industry can can move these things forward. I mean, back in March of 2020, we had an episode from 2019 with Evelyn Butler and Garvin Heath uh, from SIA and NREL, who themselves are working on sort of the theoretical models and getting al- alliances together. Sam Vanderhoof, a friend of ours who came on, talked about his business in PB Recycling, and yet we still, we still have issues with end of life for modules and the fact that secretly or not so secretly panels are being thrown into the landfill, which is not only unsustainable, but it's just not the, that's not the reputation that we need for the industry. And I was impressed with the conversation that you and I had 
that suggests that we're finally, it seems like as an industry, we're turning the corner. Uh, there are organizations like Fabtech that are working with companies that listeners may be aware of, like Echo, doing recycling, but who actually are filling in more of the, the business model gap, right? So recycling historically has been very difficult for our industry because it's hard to monetize the different value streams coming out of the panels. And there simply just isn't enough the way that we have a huge waste stream for like cardboard. It's obvious and aluminum. It's obvious how we can recycle those because we have a huge waste stream and the, the, and the economies of scale are there. We are starting, as you said, to see economies of scale for recycling, but there still are some gaps that we'll talk about in, in sort of in the rest of our conversation here. But I wanted to just for the listeners perspective, understand, have help them understand that the thing that, I've seen, and I'm excited to talk with you specifically about today, is uh, where there are opportunities and where we have still kind of conscious gaps in the business model to address end of life. You mentioned the circular economy. For those maybe who are unfamiliar, can you expound a little bit on what this, the idea of the circular economy is and how it applies to solar and, and the solar panel waste stream? A circular economy basically means that something is used and then when it stops being used, then it gets broken down to be used in something else. So for example, in solar panels, repurposing and reusing solar panels is one way to keep their life going as long as possible. And then recycling, when they can no longer be used in life, recycling helps then to pull out the material streams that can be reused for something else. So it's circular. So it's used as long as it can, then it's recycled to pull those out to be used and it keeps moving. I feel like you probably have a better answer to this than I. It's not readily apparent to me the reasons that one might consider other than decommissioning a system at the end of a 25-year life, why solar panels would end up in the waste stream. What are the reasons, the key reasons that you've seen and that your customers are engaging with you on that are leading to dealing with end-of-life discussion prior to the 30-year lifetime of the typical asset? First of all, at construction. At the end of a a large construction, there's always going to be damaged solar panels, usually 1% to 3%. So in a large utility site, you can see thousands of panels that are damaged. What's that from? Just shipping damage or what? No, in installation, Mm -hmm. mostly installation. So they Mm -hmm. get, you know, banged around a little bit or pallets fall over or different things like that. Also, during the maintenance phase, just some, something happens and physical parts stop working for some reason. It could be a weather event. We're seeing a lot more of that. So weather events, winds, fires, accidents like a fire, hurricanes, tornadoes, weather events are big reasons for solar panels to get damaged on a site. So then finally, owners are wanting to upgrade those systems with better technology, or sometimes they're just at the end of life and they're going to completely decommission some sort of site or rooftop. Jeanette, what are some of the common conversations that you find you're constantly having to address with installers as they're considering what to do in these scenarios we've just outlined? The biggest issue is sticker shock that all of a sudden, it costs this much to recycle. You know, they want us to just come take the panels away and put them in the landfill, right? Can you get rid of these panels? 
So this is a conversation that most people don't understand is really the cost. The other issue is the freight costs. And the freight costs really start to define actually our business model as well, because freight costs, it takes a lot of freight to move 500, 1,000 panels, let alone 13,000 or 20,000 panels. So freight is an issue. We want to make sure that we look at all those kind of things. So the complaint that people mostly have is cost. Are folks surprised to find that it's going to cost them to, to get this 1% to 3% that maybe they didn't anticipate to get it off-site, which is basically get it out of their hair? Many times. Yeah, it seems to me like this is one of the core problems. I'd love to, if, I mean, we have uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of people listening right now. I want, this is our public broadcast announcement mm-hmm. for you. If, we, if you can learn one thing through this episode today, we're going to help you really understand that this is something you need to carry in your financial model from the very beginning. Many of you seasoned developers, I'm sure, have already contemplated this. We'll talk about some dollars and cents to, to help alleviate the sticker shock. And we'll also talk about some of the other opportunities to turn a cost center into a profit center or a revenue center, at least, to help you do the right thing when you are confronted with this, with this problem. Jeanette, before we jump into answering some specific questions around costs and helping folks sort of dial in their model question that I had, and I'm sure someone else is thinking it right now, uh, is who's fab tech? Like why, why do you all have uh, the ability to figure out something that, as I mentioned before, has been relatively theoretical for folks up to now? What is the, the history of the company that has led you to be able to kind of unlock some of these value streams? Well, Fabtech actually started in 1999 by my brother-in-law, Bob. And it was an IT salvaging company. So he's okay. been salvaging, like finding junk and making it good enough to sell. So he's been around that industry. And it was only maybe five or six years ago when one of his you know, contacts says, hey, I just got whatever it was, 1,000, 5,000 solar panels. And if you can figure out how to fix this laminate, you know, you could probably make some money selling them. And so it all started with that. And he got these solar panels and then he kind of invented and figured out how could he fix this and, and make it work. And, and it, it started out like that and, and continued to see how solar panel refurbishing, salvaging solar panels could be a good business. So that's the expertise that we started with was refurbishing solar panels, finding junky solar panels and refurbishing them and reselling them. Then Bob started partnering with a recycler because that is another piece of the puzzle. Either the solar panel needs to be recycled or it can be refurbished. I want to let you know about an opportunity that just might be perfect timing for you. You might already know that I do coaching for entrepreneurs, founders, executives, and increasingly folks who are in a major transition in their life or career. And I find that fourth quarter is often couched as a do or die time of year. My clients usually really benefit from having a strategic advisor as an ally for not just wrapping the year well, but knowing that you've got a solid plan for the incoming year. Now, I only open up spots for coaching a few times 
a year, as many of you know, and I keep the roster pretty small. But I've decided that I'd like to open up a few more spots through the end of this year. So for the next couple of weeks, I'll be accepting applications to fill two spots that I have available. If that sounds interesting to you, I'd encourage you to go to mysuncast.com, click on Work with Nico up in the menu, fill out the brief application, and book a 15-minute clarity call with me. I'll only be accepting a couple of people this quarter, and I'm closing this offer in a few weeks so we can focus on your Q4 and Q1 plan. So if you've ever considered hiring a coach, maybe now is the right time to take the next step. I look forward to hearing from you soon, Solar Warriors. Now back to today's episode. One of the things that I've observed is that there's long been this idea that there was a secondary market for product and not a ton of like, well, mainstream or direct consumer companies that know what to do with this product, how to refurbish it, how to even resell it. Cause it's kind of a two-sided model. You have to have an audience as well as a platform and, and then know how to, to fix this stuff. And if it's hard enough to recycle it, take it apart and resell its con- constituents, it must be extremely difficult. And it's one of the things that has, you know, contributed to there, this being a problem. How do we actually identify the product that is good enough to keep and resell and then who can resell it. Is that something that Bob in the IT industry had already addressed in terms of creating that two-sided model, having an audience that would buy the stuff that he was refurbished and that gives a little bit of the credibility and the and the capability to uh, adapt that model to solar? Because it seems like for me, that's the crux of why Fabtech is finding success in this. Yes, because he set up that framework of selling to the end user, like he had a huge eBay business, right? Selling old phones and this kind of thing on eBay. So, and that started to build up, you know, I mean, he was freaking selling Legos at one point. Because it occurs, I mean, it seems to me like you have to have the ability to create that uh, direct-to-consumer model to know who the potential buyers are for this. And my guess is that it's probably a mix of DIY RVers and off-griders and stuff like that, where there are, there's a segment of, of uh, online entrepreneurs who have over the last 15, 20 years addressed that market that you and, and others are able to now tap into. There certainly are other folks in the industry uh, that are trying to address how do you deal with blims? How do you handle excess inventory? Because the other side of this, that's the easy one uh, is Excess inventory, developers who buy an extra container because they wanted to have it on site to make sure they could backfill these damaged product. And then they're left with a hundred kilowatts and they got to sell it somewhere. So like I've, I've heard of vendors fixing that market. My sense on the, on the conversation we're having today though, is uh, actually refurbishing and, and finding buyers for that refurbished product is kind of a missing link that allows the optimization of their cycling stream and allows the ease of work for an installer or developer who has this excess inventory. Am I accurate there? Yes. Number one, that excess inventory, we love those. That's that's gold to me. <laughs> yeah. But the other side of it is, and, and what is kind of unique, there's a lot of people wanting to get these used solar panels now. And, oh, okay. um, but they don't have any sort of a back-end mm-hmm. sales uh, channel. Right. So right. they're, they're having, they broker them, right? So they, they broker them to sometimes people like us, but mostly overseas. So a lot of the, a lot of them are going overseas. 
that does make us very unique because there is an infrastructure that we have built with the independent buyer. You know, it's a full online business. I mean, we got salespeople in there. We got a solar outlet. We got people walking in the door. They're looking at our solar panels, you know. Let's tell folks that are that don't have the sort of nuts and bolts on what it actually costs. So if I have, we'll just call it 100 kilos, make it easier. 100 panels, doesn't really matter. What would I have to be thinking about in terms of building out my financial model to budget for disposal or recycling of this product? Is there a, a budget range or a model that would be helpful? Just in figuring out what recycling costs, right? You can figure probably 12 to $18 a panel to recycle the solar panel. Wow. Right. And now let's add the freight. In 2020 <laughs> or 2021? 2020, yeah. <laughs> yeah Maybe 2021, really... right? Yeah. yeah. So if you want to ship, you know, a truckload of solar panels an hour away, it's still freaking $1,500, let alone another state. And, and recycling centers are, are, you know, we've got partnerships throughout the country, but it's still freight is an issue. Yeah. So the ability to actually uh, have, I'll call it regional rece- receiving centers allows, uh, will allow folks to actually say, just, can you get it off my site? Um, is there a recycling nearby? Or do you do that kind of a cost analysis of like whether or not Fabtech, who specializes in refurbishing and reselling, uh, can help uh, determine whether it makes more sense to uh, choose one of the two value streams that we've identified in this conversation to either recycle it, which is a cost at this point, or refurbish it. And and do you guys have that piece so of the I business So I do as cost well? analysis for every person, really, yeah. as a proposal, looking at their location, where they're located, what are the modules that they have, and you know what's the model, what size are they, what what age are they? And what condition are they? If they are broken glass, if there's broken glass, they are a recyclable entity. They cannot be refurbished. If they are not a broken, if they're not broken glass, it's a good possibility that they can be refurbished. So I'm looking to see if they have any possibility of refurbish. If they do, I want to ship that to our facility because that's how we can save them some money. Because anything that is refurbishable, we will credit or pay them for those modules, depending mm, upon ah. their, their value, right? Do you so, pay them up front? It depends on everything. But most of the time in these type of situations, those refurbishable panels offset the cost of the recycling and the shipping. Ah, okay. So you're allowed, you're actually able to help turn something that would have been a huge number that would scare them away from recycling into uh, making it a net neutral event. Exactly. Which, not, which is good for the planet, which is why we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, it's I good mean, for their our, focus, our focus is refurbishing. And yeah, just to okay. give you an example, if I can, if, if they uh, send me, let's say a hundred solar panels, and if I can refurbish 10% of those, or let's say 20% of those. And it's going to cost $15 for 80 of these solar panels for recycling. Okay. But 20 of those solar panels, I'm going to say, you know, those solar panels still have good 
life in them, if especially if it was some kind of a new construction, let's say I can give them $30 a panel, right? So now I can give them $30 a panel for those 20. And that is 30 times 2,600 <laughs> against the cost of the recycling and freight. So, so it's always our objective to salvage anything that we can refurbish out of that and credit them back against that. And that's a way that we've been able to help people make the choice for recycling. So unless it's completely I love it. I mean, you literally cost glass. the cost in you you cut you cut the cost in half. Like in that model at mm-hmm. if we pick 15 between 12 and 18 as the cost to recycle that whole uh stack if you're going to pay them for half of it that's 600. Now you've cut their cost down by 50% which in we know scenarios and cases where folks have just dumped them in the landfill because it would just cost too much. And that's what right. this whole thing is trying to help avoid, right? Exactly. Uh, and I think this is conjecture on my part. So Jeanette, help me uh, navigate this as we discuss. But my sense on this is that most of us got into this industry, not because we want to become billionaires, but because we want to actually advance the clean energy transition. And we want to help folks take control of their energy costs. And even the gr- large utility scale projects that are being built by, you know, by and large bankers and big uh, developers, those folks are intrinsically motivated to do well by the planet as well as their pocketbook. And they don't like the idea that it's going to the landfill, but they also don't know who to turn to. And they have a decision in a, in a very short amount of time, I'm guessing, you know, to figure out what to do with that product. And they have five other projects going or 10 other projects going and they have to, you know, it's like, a, it's just vicious cycle. It seems to me that it's only going to get worse. Is that some, is that, is that right. accurate or am I way off base? You're completely right on. And just, starting to think about an end of life plan. I know I work with big companies that say that we're just setting up end of life plans and I'm doing sample proposals. Okay, this is the, they know that in five years, this is coming off, right? So we can really look at that and we can do projections based upon, you know, 80, sometimes 80% of them will be good to us, right? It's just the numbers. We can pencil that out and give people a plan. Then when it comes time, we've already got a relationship. Then they can just, you know, call me. Then we do numbers then for freight and costs and everything and figure figure out what's the best solution now. And here's the cool part. The process of refurbishing, as I mentioned before, you know, traditionally uh, non-existent uh, value stream, allows for folks who maybe couldn't have afforded new solar product to be able to afford it, right? It, it, this resale product very expensively helps make affordable this solar for DIYers. I mentioned RVers, off-gridders, and not only that, but I, I would suggest other folks who would love to have solar, but maybe don't qualify for a loan in there. And they've got a friend who is an electrician. Generally, is the refurbished product also warrantied the same way the other panels are? They're warrantied, yes, for one year. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's right and that's usually that's fine. Once the panel gets to you, and it's you know running, it might even be running at eighty percent, but it'll go another twenty years and maybe more. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about earlier that recycling is frankly complex and expensive. That's why it costs to send it, as opposed to getting paid like we do with bottles. What does it require to properly recycle solar panels? Well, first of all. Base materials have to be separated, 
Okay, it's because you've got aluminum and then you've got glass and then you've got the metals inside the glass. So that it goes through a process of separation of those things. Then the aluminum can be processed as, you know, scrap metal and aluminum and then the glass can be processed. And and that's a little bit more complicated, but then it can be made into other things, right? It's made into fiberglass, it's made into fillers, it's made into different things like that. So solar panel recycling right now is expensive for that very reason. The end stream, that material stream, is not as valuable as the cost to break that big thing down. My guess is also there just aren't enough recyclers to do the work. Is yes. that a, is that a still a constraint for us? Yes, and it's more specialized with mm-hmm. solar panels, and it requires much more expensive equipment. Well, Jeanette, this is a really fascinating conversation for me, and I know many others have also put a lot of time thinking into this. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have you here to talk through your expertise so that others can start to really figure out how we can avoid this, what I consider to be an uh, untenable situation uh, in in the midst of us doing what we think is the right thing. Some of the wrong things happen. So can we bring this all home? What can we as companies in the industry and as, as individual contributors in the industry do and what can, what can we ask for from legislators to help make sure that this process continues to build momentum and that we have a viable alternative path that is not landfill? I think the very first thing is that companies can start considering the end of life in their financial plans, in their budgeting, at construction, during the process, so that there's a recognition that that's a part of the end is a a part of the beginning, right? And also that there can build a climate, a climate in the company and a culture in the company that, that they can expand on and brand on to really be uh, out in front of saying, we are recycling, we recycle our panels. We have that Yeah, solution. use it as, a, as PR. That's great. Use it as PR. Be the one that's out there that's a leader in solving this issue. Mm. I, I think that there's a big opportunity for that's companies really to great do point. that. That's great FUD to put, if you are doing it, to put into like public bids. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then of course, legislation that uh, will be passed eventually but it's going to take a while on the on the legislation. So, you know, legislation like different landfill bill uh, bans or restrictions and stuff, restrictions mm-hmm. and manufacturers and the way that manufacturers are, are manufacturing solar panels. Can they manufacture them in more innovative ways that make them easier to recycle? Can they pay into a fund? I've heard this and proposed. Can they, can they pay, pay in? in? Exactly. Pay into a fund. Yeah, which is which is how like the you know we all when we were kids would get money back for turning bottles back in right is because there was this fund for manufacturers that helped to pay for the recycling. Yeah, exactly, exactly mm-hmm. right. So, um, but the, I think the the biggest issue right now because legislation is going to take a while, but I think if companies make the make this choice and they build awareness and say that they're doing it, that puts like peer pressure, so to speak, on other companies in the industry that, no, we are doing this. So that there can be a little bit of, uh, let's say, a landfill shame, you know? (laughs) I love it. There's, you know, the Silicon Valley Toxics Coalition effectively was able to shame the manufacturing industry into cleaning up the inputs going into manufacturing solar panels. And, you know, companies were proud to say that they were, 
you know, ranked uh, highly on the Silicon Valley Toxics Coalition. It's, it does it does often take this kind of uh, shaming uh, in in one respect, but highlighting companies that are doing it right. Right. And if I can say this, I have seen, you know, big companies that are out there saying, you know, environmental and we're doing solar and clean energy. But I don't know if they know that that guy on the ground that is now responsible for getting rid of these solar panels can't even take a proposal or budget for it. And he just takes it and throws it to the landfill. Mm-hmm. And that right. happens. And if that circles around and gets out there, that's not good for the company. So it's got to start at the top and it's got to start with a bigger picture for the whole industry so that it is the industry leaders that are taking and making the charge and not waiting for legislation. If we are in the green, green energy field, then we can make those decisions to recycle, to refurbish, to at least say my company has an end of life plan. Jeanette, I just want to thank you for helping with this um, public service announcement that we've uh, (laughs) contributed to today. And I I fully agree with you on this. I'm sure that more than one listener is going to say, well, I want to know who this Jeanette lady is. How, How do you like to be found? Is there a good place for folks to connect with you? First of all, I'm a LinkedIn junkie, so yeah, LinkedIn, be sure and find me on LinkedIn. And our website is easy at fabtech.net. So you can find me there and email me any questions whatsoever, get in touch with me, and I love to help. Well, thanks for contributing to the overall awareness necessary, uh, not just with you know the clanging bells, but hey, uh, we have a solution. Here is a path that allows you to fully live in uh, as an installer or developer the truth that we're trying to do good for the planet and not harm it that this is a this is real and and it's a growing concern that tangible solutions exist for uh, what I loved about the conversation was learning uh, not only the exorbitant cost that it represents to recycle this product uh, even before end of life when you have damage at <laughs> on the site for example but that there is a viable refurbishing solution which helps to compensate or offset that cost and make it more tenable. And that there now are companies like Fabtech that we can reach out to who have figured out the ecosystem to help alleviate the main priority concern, which is what do I do now that I've discovered that I have this issue I have to deal with? And this is something that every single company has to deal with now. So Jeanette, thank you for sharing with our Solar Warrior community here on Suncast. And I'm grateful to have you here as a guest. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Nico. All right, Solar Warrior. Well, I hope that you have learned some tactical, tangible, evidential advice and inputs for your financial model, for your uh, management meetings, and that you are coming away well-equipped and armed with more information and how to understand addressing end-of-life with regard to solar modules at the end of a project's development cycle or at the end of a project's useful life. This product has a second life. And today you've learned how to give it a second life and how to mitigate the, 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 the budget constraint that this represents on many developers' balance sheet. If you're eager to connect with Jeanette or keep learning about this topic, well, then you, my fellow Philomath, can find resources, highlights from this and frankly, every other discussion from Suncast, along with the social media links and direct connections to Jeanette, the 
many different things that we discussed here today outlined on the blog, click on the show notes tab over at mysuncast.com. And hey, since you're hopping online, do us a favor, go ahead and click through to LinkedIn. You'll see where Jeanette and I have posted this on LinkedIn. Leave us a comment and a like and share it with your network as well. If you feel like this was valuable information, I certainly hope that it has contributed to your knowledge and ability to expand your business and expand our overall impact in the clean energy revolution. Thank you, Solar Warriors. Thanks once again to our sponsors who help make sure that this content gets to you for free. You can learn about how you can partner with us and reach thousands of Suncast listeners just like they have. Go to mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.